Uh, yeah, so me and Phil recorded this the other night, and since we did, on the recording, I can remember the dates of my upcoming art show, and we both wondered aloud if Marvel were going to do a new Alpha Flight comic. Um, since then, I have got the details of my art show, and more importantly, I guess, Marvel have said that they've definitely got plans for a new Alpha Flight comic. It's going to be called Alpha Flight True North. It's out in September. It's going to do some backstory stuff, which I hope isn't terrible, uh, and we'll see. Um, uh, we'll probably talk about it in a, in a future episode of Alpha Podflight. My art show is going to be with the Young Blood Initiative, as my previous ones have in the last few years. Um, it's going to run from the 4th to the 8th of July uh, in 6 Queens Parade, Warm Lane, NW25HT uh, in London. So uh, you should go, and I'll say hello from there which uh, would be on the 4th, which is the private view night. There's a live art evening on the 6th, and there's a set of lectures on the 7th. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and... uh, Yeah, see you in a bit. Bye. Welcome to Alpha Pod Flight, the podcast where every episode I'm joined by a guest and we talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I am rejoined by Phil. Phil, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi there, uh, I'm Phil Thomas. Um, I'm the uh, head admin of AlphaFlight.net, which unsurprisingly is an Alpha Flight website. It's a very good Alpha Flight website. There's absolute loads on there. Um, yeah. It's, it's a good website, and if anybody has a bunch of time, the interview section is really good. Thank you very much. I think people should go and have a look there. Um... Yeah, I mean, we're having a few issues at the moment with our uh, webmaster and our host and stuff, so it's not as visually uh, amazing as it should be, but like I say, there's a lot of info there. It's been up about, God, almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, a lot of information. And I really like the interviews with James Hudnall. And um, oh god, his name absolutely escaped me. The the artist that everyone slates, even though I quite oh like John it. John Calamy. Yeah, that's a really good interview. Yeah, I mean, you know, retrospective like that, looking back on, you know, arguably the second most hated Alpha Flight run. It's 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 yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, um, and I I really like his style of drawing, but we're not going to talk about that today. So it's, I'm not going to waste. <laughs> <laughs> my opinions on John Gallamy right now because we're going to talk about other people but um, yes so uh, Alpha Flight and it's alphaflight.net if people want to go and check that out yep alphaflight.net okay um, and uh, because uh, I'm changing the format a little bit for those who don't know so um, uh, if you want to go and see any of my artwork or anything it's gerthink.com that's my website and I've got an art show coming up in July from the 4th to the 7th of July. Um, uh, you'd think I'd get the details up. Oh, just such a, I'm the worst podcaster ever. <laughs> I haven't got the details in front of me. I'm trying to do it from memory. And I don't know where it is. But there's, <laughs> there's going to be an art show. It's going to be in London. I've done the poster. Uh, uh, it's not <laughs> And I've done some draw, uh, painting stuff for it. It's going to be really good to go if you can. Um, 4th of July to 7th of July in London just turn up in London and ask where it is somebody will tell you oh god right now that I've ruined the plugs bit let's talk about the comic (laughs) which is (laughs) Alpha Flight number 49 Alpha Flight 49 uh, is dated August 1987 Um, it's called Flesh of My Flesh Bill Mantlo did the script June Brigman did the pencils. Wilch Potassio did the inks. Janice Chang, the letters. Bob Sharon, the colours. Carl Potts, the editor. And Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. So I reread this again today. I remembered liking it. And on rereading it, I liked it even more. Uh, Ooh, okay. Okay. Um, because uh, I suppose that a few issues that we talked about recently have been problematic. Because for one reason or another... Because of Bill Mantlo. Um, yeah. But I think in this particular issue, he's playing to his strengths. Uh, 
Um, uh, but before I talk about that too much, before I get carried away, let's go through what happens in it. So okay. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Uh, so we open with a nice kind of uh, splash page. Um, it's, it, there's, a, there's a bit of dialogue on it for, for a splash page, but yeah. it's um, obviously uh, Whitman Knapp transforming for the first time. Uh, behind, well, and in front of him is the uh, mutated uh, Madison Jeffries. Yeah. So uh, I think you touched on your last episode about Mannequin, or the man who would be Mannequin. Yes, uh, absolutely screwed it up in the last episode. I got the details entirely wrong. So, because um, I said there was three of him. I, remember, I, f- I remembered Eight Man and I remembered Highbrow, but I'd forgotten about Proto, which Proto, is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the first time that he splits into his evolutionary selves. Uh, and Jeffries is on the floor and we learn that he's on the floor because of, there's a little, the next page is a uh, flashback to what's happening. Yeah, it's a pretty decent recap page as it goes. And obviously, obviously you can tell that it's, like you say, a flashback. Um, just giving the details of the fight against his brother. Um, scramble as so he becomes. We've not actually the... talked about Scramble yet on the podcast. Uh, I think we've mentioned him a few times, but um, so for those who haven't heard, he is Jeffrey's. Is he his older brother, or he's his brother? I think least. so. Yeah. So he's he's Madison Jeffrey's brother, uh, and where Jeffrey's has the power to transmute metal, Scramble has the power to transmute flesh, uh, and also we find that later on. Uh, minds because they're sort of made out of meat um, and uh, in the flashback we learn that he has um, he was pretending to be a goodie for a while he's now revealed himself to be a baddie and he has absorbed Roger Box to take on his power of... so Roger Box's mutant power was that he was like incredibly inventive right? yeah and so Scramble is now a mixture of, uh, oh, what's his first name? Um, uh, Lionel Jeffries. Lionel Jeffries and Roger Box. And he's a sort of, the, the character design is really good. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, I think like you say, this was Mantlo playing to his strengths and the whole body horror aspect of it. Definitely this, this arc really works. So to describe him, he is a towering hunk of meat <laughs> yeah not quite sure how it equals the two of them but no. uh... <laughs> but so he's sort of gigantic and he's got um lionel jeffrey's head on without a neck the neck has sort of become a big mass his spine is growing out the top of his head uh in big spikes down the down his back um he's just one big rib cage with two big muscly arms and then down his sides he's got long fleshy tentacles and then instead of legs he's just got this big uh basically if you've seen akira and you've seen yes if you've seen tetsuo turn at the end of akira that's basically his legs um or what would be his legs and he sort of moves around by reforming that mass um yeah, and what he's done um, is he has um, mutated, uh, not mutated, what's he done to Jeffries? He's, he's scrambled Jeffries, so he can't walk, yeah, and his yeah. mouth has been covered over with, with Transmutated. Meat. Yeah, so uh, what happens after we get this flashback then? Um, so Whitman um, somewhat surprisingly you know, takes the, the uh, introduction of his past and future selves quite simply, really. He doesn't question it too much. No. He just kind of gets on with it. He did, They do describe it, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they yeah. spend a lot of time describing how this power works, which is good. It's handy. Um, yeah. It spells yeah. it out. Yeah. But, um, and then his eight-man form kind of instinctively knows what to do and kind of gets Jeffries back into the, the battle, as it were, by throwing him at the box armor. Yeah. yeah. Where he's able to obviously use his mutant powers to merge with it. Yeah. Because obviously the box armor is made of metal. Yeah. Um, so obviously once he's back in that, he's able to talk through the box armor. Mm-hmm. Um, so then goes off to join the fight because, um, the rest of Alpha Flight 
are currently fighting Amiga. That's right. He's not called uh, Scramble anymore, is he? He's called Amiga. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But he was Scramble before the merge. So yeah, yeah. It's the same person, really. <laughs> um, so obviously he flies off to join the battle. Um, but then Mannequin's future self transports them. Yeah. And that's a really nice panel as well. Uh, it's really like, yeah. It's the sort of thing that would get stuck on the cover of an X-Man comic now. Um, yeah. So you've just got some purple circles uh, on a pink background and then the silhouette of mannequins, different forms in white on top of that. Uh, it's it's really cool and stylized. It's almost like kind of like Neil Adams' Havoc. Yeah, yeah, that's cover. exactly it. Yeah. Um, so then obviously it cuts to the, the battle with the rest of Alpha Flight who at this moment in time, I don't know if you've dealt with the roster. I know it probably hasn't changed much since your last episode, but obviously yeah. Heather's the leader. Yeah. Um, North Star, Puck, um, Wanda, Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, and then Purple Girl is with them more. She's an actual rookie member now. Mm-hmm. She's, so she's hanging around with the flights. Yes, of, of what will be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Aurora is in the team, but she's not in the fight because in the last issue she ran off in a, to have an episode. <laughs> That's a very polite way of putting it. Yes, <laughs> which is it is handy for this comic and me liking it because you don't have to deal with the touchy subject of how Mantlo handles mental illness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Um, we do have to handle North Star coughing a lot. Yes, yes. a lot, a lot. Um, because this is the issue before uh, 50, where we find out yeah. almost exactly what's going on with him. So he coughs throughout this with his KOFF cough. That's pretty much all he does in this issue. <laughs> yeah, lies on the floor and coughs. The fight at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we come into this big frame with uh, Alpha fighting Omega, and then we get the next one is... It's kind of gross, which is is one of the things I like about it, because it's mostly coloured with Omega's flesh. Like he takes up most of all of the panels on this on this yeah. page. It, def- it def- definitely does the job of making him out as as a big villain. Because hmm. I mean, up to sort of now with the the, the forty nine issues that we've had so far, there's there's been the Master and Omega fight and Jackson, but there hasn't been a, a sort of big, you know, earth-shattering yeah. villain kind of thing. So this, this is quite a nice touch, obviously given that he's been from Scramble up to this this giant, monstering, mutated thing. Yeah. Um, and he, he, like I say, he takes up a lot of the panels and a lot of the pages. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, he uh, Puck tries to fight him but gets caught. Um, Heather is able to dodge out of Omega's way, but um, she's, uh, in thought bubbles, she's wondering why Puck keeps getting caught so easily, which <laughs> is a bit mean, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be one of the, it's one of the things where, obviously, with Mantlo and this run, he seems to be quite self-deprecating of Alpha Flight. Yeah. They seem to be, I know, obviously, Burn, um, played them as the dysfunctional team mm. at times, but, Mantlo seems to put them. Heather's very unsure of herself, and they all seem to doubt their them, themselves when they're together. Yeah, and, and like I say, it's a lot of the the inner the thought bubbles and the dialogue of them doubting their own powers and their own competency. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Yeah, um, and Puck especially gets a particularly rough ride with Mantlo around. Um, either he's getting beaten up, or people are he's been dismissed. Um, which happens in this as well. Um, yeah, I think obviously given what comes down the line, that he, they very much kind of hammer home here how he's small and useless. Yeah, yeah. Um, even um, Scramble says it. I think on the next page, he's not sure whether to bother absorbing Puck because he doesn't see if he doesn't see the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so after after they've had uh, everyone's had a go. Um, and then Purple Girl is stood in the corner wondering whether she should get involved. Yeah, I mean, because she 
obviously her her pheromones and her power of touch to to take over people and and command them. And I think it's what you and Claire touched on with your last issue. Yeah. And so she could quite easily end this fight by just controlling him. Mm. Um, but they play up the whole. She's an inexperienced child. She doesn't know what to do. She freezes in fear. It's not quite the uh, faux claustrophobia from last yeah, no. last episode, but she 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 doesn't play to the strengths that she she has. Yeah, um, and she just is a helpless teen. Uh, and then Heather starts shouting at her that just like either join in or run off, but just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like with um, Shaman's kill me line that you <laughs> yeah. that you picked up on. It's that the whole you know abandon alpha flight if you're not going to save them kind of thing yeah but i mean heather is like that in, in manto's run more so than others that i can remember in that she uh is very um it's either like go go for it fully or not bother uh and it's like some of the decisions she makes are like right this is i'm gonna go full on now there's yeah i mean i think well, I'm going to say it's a logical change after the, the death of her husband, but mm-hmm. she she does kind of throw herself into the team 100%, and I think it's all that she's got left. But that she does come off as a stern leader, but yeah. I suppose it's effective. And I think I think it's a testament. I think it's a good character trait for her to be given because um, she's got that sort of. There is a sort of mothering quality, like she's the mother of Alpha Flight, and I think in some yeah. she has made comments about that in other issues. Um, but she is that like tough mother. Uh, yeah, because I mean, nice. obviously, when Byrne introduced her and she was just, you know, the secretary at Hudson's uh, company, and then yeah. she was that the very homely sort of stay-at-home girlfriend kind of thing, and then she definitely gets a decent character arc, and she definitely. You know, arguably, she's the better leader of the team throughout the entire history of it and the run. Yeah, and I, I think if you look at Alpha Flight for its full run, she is the leader of Alpha Flight. Like Guardian is still sort of the the famous leader, but yeah, Heather's the boss of Alpha. Heather is essentially Alpha Flight. She's the most constant facet of it throughout. Yep, through all of she, the. She's runners. definitely she's definitely the leader for longer, hmm. and she arguably makes less major mistakes because <laughs> um, obviously Max kind of rule is a bit dubious through the, the things that he introduces and the people that he interacts with uh, well I mean yeah if, if you look at them at face value he makes horrendous decisions <laughs> throughout his role as leader um, but yeah uh, he's not even in this comic so we'll not worry about Max yeah, too yeah. much because um, uh, he's still dead um, at this point yes uh, uh, and so, uh, Purple Girl is, while, uh, while she's deciding whether or not she should use her power, Scramble gets up, sorry, Omega gets wise and covers up her mouth so that she can't say anything. Uh, and then he goes to absorb her. Uh, Heather flies about a bit, uh, gets punched, and just when it looks like it's all gonna go off, Box smashes through a wall, uh, and they jo- and uh, boxer mannequin join the fight. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So obviously this is well pretty much everyone's first introduction to mannequin and his powers. Um, so they all kind of question who he is, but not looking a gift horse in the mouth kind of thing. <laughs> and you get the the sibling rivalry fight goes on. So. Um, Jeffries gets stuck in along with um, Ape Man and Proto. Yeah. And Highbrow hangs in the back. Uh, there's just one nice little line. Um, Mannequin, when he turns up, he says, uh, How in blazes do we get here? And then uh, Highbrow goes, Teleportation. Oh, well, that's useful. And Highbrow's like, And non polluting. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the non polluting <laughs> superhero. He shrugs it off. Oh, well, that's useful. You know, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, so Eight Man flies in with a club, uh, which he's, he's picked up off the floor, and Box goes to strangle Omega. And, oh, yeah, and then um, while they're all stood about, 
a prime unit. That's his name, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Prime unit, who is the unevolved form of uh, Whitman, uh, picks up a pipe and gets into the fight to save Kara, uh, who he's got a bit of a crush on. Yeah, which is a bit weird, but yeah. <laughs> I suppose he's the youngest member of the team, yeah. even though he's considerably older than Kara. Yeah, because he's a, he's a proper doctor. He's been through yeah. medical school. So he's, he's got to be at least 21, and she's like 13? Uh, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. Certain, well, because that makes the... <laughs> say, pointing that out makes the one of the uh, panels here extra dodgy, which is... Uh, he saves Purple Girl, and then as he pulls her out, uh, Box goes, you've done your good deed, mannequin, and I can see you're claiming your reward. <laughs> to which he's like, I'm giving a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. In the middle of this battle, I'm not kissing a teenager. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then there's a bit of dialogue where uh, Jeffries uh, talks about his history with his brother and putting him into a psychiatric ward or a super ward. And then he reforms into the new version of Box. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% on this, but did Jim Lee design this version? Because obviously this is two issues before Jim Lee joins. He might have. Uh, this is sure. a very kind of, you know, transformery kind of version. And I know that obviously this is the one that Jim Lee draws a lot through his arc. Yeah. Um but yeah, this is, this is the new, I suppose, box version three. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, it's the, probably the longest running one. It runs from here right through to the late hundreds, isn't it? Or the early hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is Madison Jeffrey's version of box, which can change into all sorts of crazy shapes, uh, depending on yeah, what it's Yeah, as one of these panels proves where he's, is incredibly a uh, long midriff, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and uh, Heather says, "No, don't fight him." But they carry on fighting until. Uh... Oh yeah, that's right. So there's a bit of fighting, and then Roger Box tries to make himself known in. A pretty creepy way. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's one of the... the, the there's that run of three panels that's really good there. Mm. I think where, like you say, Box is visually breaking through his psyche trying to help. Yeah, and you see his face push out from... It's the belly, isn't it? The belly of Omega. The belly of the beast. Has Roger Box's face push up against the skin and start talking. Um... And this is, oh, yeah, so one thing that's happened in issues previous to this, and I think I've talked about it when Amy and me talked about 45, which is last year sometime. But, um, Bill Mantlo writes Roger Box as a, as a crazy person. Yeah, because I think, was it after he got the bends and he started to go a bit yeah. strange? And then, uh, uh, Madison Jeffries says something about, oh, he, he was always a bit like this. Um, mm. And I thought that's it's one of the things, one of the many things which I find difficult to forgive Mantler for, which is turning Box from this really nice, friendly, wholesome character who was dealing with some stuff into a psycho who resented having no legs. Yeah, I mean, it, I'd say I think that's one of the defining things of this run. And I mean, there's a lot of things about the Mantler run that I still enjoy. Oh, yeah, same here, yeah. He, yeah. he, he, he doesn't. Any character that he doesn't seem to have a, a handle on or like from Burns Run, he just, rather than create a new character or just, you know, exit stage left, he just seems to twist them into something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like with, with, uh, sort of Jeffries and, and on the sort of page before this, you see Heather, the, the seeds are planted for Heather starting to fall for Jeffries. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's when, when Jeffries was first introduced, he was like a, a ditch digging hick. Yeah. For one of the words. He was a dirty, kind of dirty hobo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he, he was, wasn't anything near good, attractive. He'd obviously been off in the army and he'd done some dubious things and, yeah. and, and sort of now at this point, it's, Manlo starts to, to build him as the love interest for yeah. Heather. 
which I don't mind because I've always loved Jeffries. <laughs> from oh, the moment, yeah. From the moment I mean, you the... walked in uh, to in, I think is, was it one week I went or was it one after uh, twenty seven. Uh, yeah, early on, he, he just walks thing. up and everyone and all the robots are terrified of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from that moment, I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of him. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll get to why more so. But so uh, Roger is like, yeah, I am crazy, but I can will this to stop. I can stop Scramble from uh, from being a baddie. Um, so at that point, he lobotomizes the box yeah, part of him which, by crushing his head inside his belly uh, and transmit yeah so yeah and that's pretty rough yeah as things go um, grabbing the head that is poking its way out of your stomach and lobotomizing it <laughs> um, yeah it's full on which kind of tips Madison over the edge yes uh, and he shouts my brother's lobotomized my best friend, and he turns his arm into a flamethrower, I think. Uh, yeah. Like. Yeah. And then just blasts Omega full. Uh, he te- he uh, does a number on him. Shouting, oh, yeah. Do he definitely ends the fight. Yeah. Um, Heather says, Mr. Jeffrey's your brother. And he says, I ain't got no brother no more, Vindicator. My brother died when he killed my best friend. But he's, he's not... got that sort of forlorn thing where he's got his back turned on Heather and he's slightly yeah. hunched. Yeah, that classic uh, tragic hero thing. Um, and essentially they've, fr- they've fridged Box, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. <Yeah. laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'd not realised that until just now. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, but uh, so, but uh, Omega has survived... Um, and says, heroes, you're all so moral, so predictable, and so laughable, and that's why I'll win. Uh, and Purple Girl gets involved, she says, shut up. And, and he, so instead of a big pink horrible mass, he's a big purple horrible mass who's doing what Kara tells him to. And, oh, that's when Jeffrey's, uh, uh, transmutes out of the box. He falls yep. out. Because Scramble hasn't got his power over him. I don't really understand how that works. So, um, oh no, sorry. So Kara says, whoever you transmuted first, release them. And that's when Jeffries falls out of the box robot into a big... Yeah, I think he what's what's unmerges or, or however it is. And at that point, again, Heather sort of sees that he's he's got no sort of arms and legs where he's been transmuted and he's got his lips sewn together. So she rushes in to help him. Yeah. And you get a nice little, well, not nice, but a setup between sort of Jeffries and Puck as Heather's love attention. Yeah. And and again, it's almost that sort of cold shoulder of pitting them against each other where Heather suddenly cares that Madison's in pain, but but Judd's there in the corner saying she's never given a damn about my pain kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so he she says, and we never knew. He fought on his box without telling us despite his pain. And then Puck says... I fight in pain every moment of my life, but Heather never notices. And although it's symptomatic of Mantlow's sort of indifference towards Puck, at the same time, it's this relationship feels more organic than some of the others. In that Heather, and it, it sort of plays into Mantlow's got this thing, and he does it with Aurora as well. Like women are sort of, they're all secretly a bit bitches. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels. As Heather, as attraction grows for Jeffries, because she sees him as uh, a heroic, uh, manly man. Yeah. Uh, and she just, that's, that's a natural progression. And through that natural progression of affection for him, she starts to forget about other people, which is, I mean, it happens in real life. Um, so, and I actually find that quite, uh, not nice. Nice isn't the right word, but it, it's a, it's a good touch, I think, in the, in the writing of these characters and their relationships to each other. It's not completely out of nowhere. No, it's not. And it's been developing for a while. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but then Kara, she she notices what's happened to Jeffries, who, and she says, you did that to the man who's been like a father to me. 
and she makes Scramble uh, untransmute Jeffreys. Um, and then he has... Uh, they found out that Bo- uh, Roger Box can't be brought back because he's there's nothing left of him. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Jeffreys can talk, his first instinct is to, you know, check on his friend and see if there is anything left of Roger. But like you say, he's completely murdered. Yeah. And so uh, Northstar says, we came here to cough, commit box. I dare say the same could be done to the cough, criminally insane Omega. To which Wanda says, what kind of facility could cure or contain him? And they point out that nowhere could. And then Jeffries makes a decision. But you'd think that, you know, given the X-Men and the Avengers, somewhere could hold him. They, they, they fought other things like him. Yeah, but what... Um, it's kind of... Yeah, so they, they could find somewhere. But then uh, what we find throughout Alpha Flight and, and other superhero comics is that no matter what you do to avoid killing the baddie... They will come back. Like, how many times have they done over Ultron in the Avengers? Lee always comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Madison decides to draw a line under it. Enough people have died because of Scramble, not least, um, his best friend. And he murders Omega. He turns, he jumps back into a suit, which turns into a gun. <laughs> it's a kind of a weird gun. <laughs> Um, yeah. He goes into crab position, so his uh, his arms on the floor behind him, and then out of his stomach a, a big old gun forms, and he sh- and he shoots Scramble. Uh, There's a nice line in there about not willing to be his brother's keeper, so he's got to become his destroyer. That's right. Um, and then he shoots him, and then there's a silent panel where everyone looks on in shock, and. Um, uh, Box as a forlorn robot, he looks down and then walks out of a hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that page. That first panel in silhouette. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can see everyone's kind of in shock and in mourning, but no one's going to say anything. Mm. Um, and what one thing I have noticed is, and what that first panel is, it is a nice panel, and I'm not, <laughs> but um, there's lots of silhouette in in this issue and it sort of highlights how difficult it is to silhouette a protoma- protoplasmic blob <laughs> <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they have a hard time with it um, especially on that opening splash where everyone's in shadow but it's like how do you shadow how do you do that to uh, uh, a half see-through blob um, yeah well I mean you know like I said that, that very first opening page it's easy to miss him yeah I, I had missed him until probably why you forgot about recording. him yeah um which is a shame because he's an excellent character. <laughs> we don't get to see enough of Proto to finish. He could carry his own issue. He gets some character for a you know a speechless blob, doesn't he? <laughs> um, okay, so Madison's walked off through his hole in the wall, uh, and then uh, <laughs> North Star proper coughs up. Um, yeah, and collapses. He's dying. Uh, but he, his, his motive, which I think we, we saw in the previous issue, this isn't a surprise motive, was that he was hoping that Scramble could cure him of whatever it was that, uh, he was already ill. He was ill and then pestilence exacerbated it. So he already had something yeah. which was made worth by pestilence back in 44. And, and we all know what that something's supposed to be, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so this is his aides making him cough. Um, <sighs> And he collapses, and nobody saw it coming. They just assumed that he was coughing all the time because it was an affectation, maybe. Maybe it's just what gay people do, cough randomly. But he has, <laughs> he's um, collapsed on the floor, and uh, Heather shouts, go and find Aurora. Uh, we've got to get her brother to the doctor. And then we get two pages of Aurora hiding um, in... Uh, the dark, at yeah. the end of a long dark corridor, um, and she starts singing to herself. Uh, she starts very subtly. This is very subtle on Bill Miller's part. She starts singing "One Flew of the Cookies Nest" to herself <laughs> in a French accent. Um, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, yep, I have that Z. 
in the captions it says when alpha reaches this chamber they will discover four shattered containment canisters whatever they held long gone a mystery and aurora sitting hugging herself in darkness crooning the same senseless song over and over again so aurora's had a mental break uh, and i can't remember what was in those canisters um is it freak out and schizoid and or whatever they're called Maybe I can't remember. I'll have it's to... those four characters that come into the the earlier uh, Jim Lee run. That I can't remember what the team's called now. Not the head case. I vaguely remember now. Oh, it's been a while since I read these. There's like there's there's the mute artist, um, and again they were they were people that Scramble was supposedly fixing. Right. If I remember correctly, but. I... Yeah, I can't remember what their names were. No. I totally blanked that from my mind. I just... Oh, that's stupid of me. Uh, anyway, so we'll leave that for um, when we cover 51 or 52, wherever it is they turn up. Because um, in 50, they all go to that fire world, don't they? Yes. Well, they, you know, Mantlo with his... I don't know if he's just doing his best to get round the comics code and stuff that he can't say, but... yeah. North Star is a fairy. <laughs> yeah. In his gonna... subtle way. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, right, I'll do all that car crash when we talk about 50, whenever it is that is. Um, but, uh, yeah, North Star and is a fairy. Um, oh. Okay, so that was the plot of this issue. Uh, quite a lot happens of significance in this. Um so, for a start, we, we're introduced to Mannequin for the first time, who becomes part of Alpha Flight for the next uh, two years or so. Yeah, um, I'd say at least that, yeah. For the rest of the side run. Uh, and then when yeah. um, Hudnall takes over, he quickly gets rid of him. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, uh, Mannequin becomes a big part. Him and uh, Purple Girl... Uh, have a sort of almost relationship for that entire time. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, they, they start to put together Beta Flight again once yeah. they've got the two of them, and which I think is one of the the good parts of Alpha, considering it all came from just you know one random throwaway panel in issue one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and so, I mean, from this point on, this is where uh, Mantlo finally like discards all the characters in the next issue he discards all the characters he never wanted to deal with apparently and yeah. sets up his own alpha flight uh which i'm not sure we've actually covered his alpha flight uh who was heather box wonder oh, wonder sorry um and beta flight yeah uh so and they go on crazy adventures in space and stuff oh and goblin do that now. uh goblin when she turns up goblin comes in yep yeah because uh, she's the third, well, the third and fourth member of Beta Flight. But uh, and I don't think this might be the first time we've mentioned Goblin. Oh, so that'll be a treat for some of your listeners. Yeah, um, and I'll t- we'll talk about her another time. Um, yeah, so uh, that was uh, so uh, Mannequin gets introduced. Uh, Roger Box is written out of uh, comics forever. Permanently, yeah. He, he never comes back, does he? No. Which is a pity. Uh, Scramble is written out forever. Um, and yeah, so that's three pretty major changes to like the Marvel Universe. Uh, well, I say that. <laughs> <laughs> the Marvel Universe from where I'm sitting, which is looking at a really specific yeah. part of it. <laughs> exactly. It's the best part. Yeah. Um, oh, and also we get the, the box mark three, uh, sort of the crazy box. Um, yeah, transfer it. it kind of transformer box, except instead of changing from a car into a robot, it changes from a robot into whatever he fancies at the time. Yep, yep. Just grows extra parts and extra metal, uh, and develops the ability which he sort of uses in this, but doesn't explain it outright. He does in a future issue to turn matter into energy, which is how he can do flamethrowers and guns and stuff. So rather than carry around ammo, he can turn matter into ammunition um yeah so i as i said earlier i really enjoyed rereading this um 
because it is it's got that real horror thing to it. I mean, it is it's still in the code, so they, they don't they can't make it. But it's I mean, the amount of meat in this is creepy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, it's I mean I know um I like Brigman's art a lot. I mean she's a very very clean I really artist. Do actually, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, especially here with um, Potatio's inks as well. Mm. I mean, because I know he goes on to do Jim Lee's inks, and then obviously he went off and drew Image and honed his style. But yeah. I, I, you know, coming in now, you'd never know it was his inks. Um, but she, it, Brigman's, you know, one of the the most competent artists on sort of Alpha Flight's history. Yeah. Um, but it's very clean stuff. Um, it doesn't quite work. It doesn't not work. But I'd, I'd have liked to have seen. A proper sort of horror artist do do some of these panels. Yeah, but you know, what she a does, bit grittier, a bit grainier. Yeah, but what she, and there is that. But what she does do is the the panels where uh, Omega is in it. She fills the panels up with him. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she, she understands the the superhero dynamics, and she understands the page really well. Yeah, um, he's he is this bulking terror throughout. Um, and but also when when she renders his face as well, he's got that, that weirdly comics handsome face on the top of all this, which sort of makes it worse. Yeah, it's almost like sort of I suppose seventies, eighties Doctor Who. Yeah, kind of thing. You're right; it has got that creepiness, and I can I've got the picture of the monster I'm thinking of in my head now, and it, I'll never be able to remember what it is. But yeah, there's um that big red insecty thing. Yeah. Yeah, but there's there's that sense to him. Um, in terms of like background art, they're they're in a the underground bunker part of Scramble's uh, facility, yeah. so she doesn't have to draw anything really much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, occasionally she'll put some sort of like yeah, machinery in the background. Yeah, but the rest of the time it's just the characters interacting. Uh, which is uh, absolutely fine by me. Because um, it means she gets to do some angles, which if you had to spend time working out the background on, like, for instance, Ape Man flying into the fight to save Sasquatch, who's being held at a funny angle. Trying to figure yeah. the background for that would... The logistics. Yeah, it would be worth it. Um, so, yeah. Um, what is there anything that you particularly like about this? Um, I'd say all the, all the, the, the fight scenes work. I mean, it, they don't quite seem like they're, there's, there's sort of urgency. It's almost like a slow motion fight at times. Hmm. I can see that. And I, I suppose that's part of the way that the fight happens because they're just, it's just a mountain of meat which is absorbing them if they get too close. Yeah. Um, and it's just that sense. It's not, Heather gets to fly about a bit and then she gets punched. Um, so there isn't, it's not a dynamic fight. It's just like a dirty drag out mm. horror. And I think, thing. like, like, like you mentioned with like the bulk and the size, it's within a confined space and it's trying hard to get sort of licks in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I suppose one weakness of this, uh, is that Sasquatch, although she's in it, there's no real sense of her. Um, so yeah, I suppose sort of the the arc before this was her arc, so she's kind of quiet in this one. Yeah, she doesn't say a lot, and when she does, it's very generic. Like it could have come from any of the characters. Mm, considering um, she's like before box, she's the powerhouse of the team. She doesn't really do much against Omega. No, um, and uh, so, and Wanda's got a very. I keep calling her Wanda just because I'm reading her name in my brain rather than saying her name out loud which is wonder um she she's got a very definite personality and she's like this brash loud sassy character and none of that dialogue comes across really in, um, no uh which is a it's a pity because i, I like wonder as a character um and yeah so what else is there about it? Um, Box, yeah. So Box is written out. This is his last, uh, his last um, appearance in comics. His last appearance actually is getting his head crushed um, 
pretty horrendously. Uh, it's it's a good motivator for sort of Madison to finally yeah. turn against his brother. Yeah. Uh, so Box's last line <laughs> of dialogue is an unfortunate. Uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 Which is uh, spelt G L E A R G H H H G G L L E ellipses exclamation mark. And that's the last thing that beloved Box ever gets to say. Um, Let's hope it's written on his tombstone. <laughs> no, but I mean, in order to bury him, it'd either be it'd either be ashes, True. or it'd I suppose be it's been a section yeah. of a monster's stomach in a coffin. Um, yeah, uh, I want. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's something that we never really uh, have to worry about now that um, Omega has been burnt to a crisp. Um, we don't know how they dispose of what's left. <laughs> no, no, just just, just atomized. Yeah. Turned to dust. Um, it probably smells all right. <laughs> but you think with that amount of flesh, it would, yeah, like <laughs> burn hair. <laughs> uh, and he's got the ribs. I mean, they're growing out of his back. <laughs> They've got them. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so, and then we mentioned the, the design on Box Mark Three. So he, he turns into crazy stuff, but the, the other big difference is his colouring. So he's changed yes. from, I think at the start of this, he's not the classic one, he is... Um, the blue version, is it the blue version? The, or? Yeah, the blue and silver version. Yeah. And, and he turns into like a burgundy and silver? Yeah. Um, it's a very sort of chrome sports car kind of esque, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and if you were to read this as, uh, I don't know, because the form that a character takes should say something about them as a character. Um, and I'm not sure that it does. I, I suppose later on when you see, like, uh, it also goes again. Okay, so let me come back around to this. So Jeffries and Box, their relationship I always really liked. They were best yes, friends. Yeah. And also, it was sort, it was actually mostly unwritten, uh, explicitly, but their relationship was that Box was the clever one and Madison was the, the brawn. And the grafter, yeah, he was essentially his legs, wasn't he? Yeah. But, um, so Box would come up with uh, an idea and then through some mechanism, which was never really clear, Madison Jeffries would turn that into reality. And so it was Box's inventive power with the with uh, uh, Madison's transmutation power, and they worked as a team, and they worked really well as a team. And there's a genuine affection between the two. Mm. Um, but what's happened now is that that's been ignored, and um, Madison can do all that crazy redesigning himself. Yeah. Uh, and also takes it further. So Box was super inventive and came up with all these amazing inventions that nobody else could, and that was like his mutant power. But now Jeffries can do it at will without worrying about it, and it's slightly cooler. Um, which, I mean, if you're going to be a pedant about it, it's a shame, but as in terms of a character in comics and having a power set, it's not too much of a problem, really. Yeah. Um... But um, I've said on the internet, and I said it last time when I spoke to Claire, that Jeffries is a bit like the Jack Reacher of Alpha Flight. So I, I don't know if you've read a lot of Jack Reacher. No, I haven't. I haven't. That's a pity. You should. I think I've seen one of them. Yeah, well, well the films have Tom Cruise in. They're all right. I watched, I watched the first one the other night. It was all right. But um, in the books, he's just like this seven-foot-tall, barrel-chested drifter who has a very specific moral code um, which means that if there is a baddie who deserves to die, he'll just murder him. Um, and uh, you get that sense from Jeffries and it's not the first time, I think he's correct me if I'm wrong but he is the only one he's the only member of Alpha Flight who has oh, other than Puck, who, other than Puck yeah. who's killed anybody yeah yeah, he, he seems like he's always been a very sort of black or white character. There's no sort of greys with him. Yeah, uh, and it, it swings it swings both ways. So in terms of being good, he he takes on 
uh, mentorship and becomes a father figure to Kara. Um, yep. because there's that side of his personality who, and also you see that when he, in his friendship with Roger, he's a very, um, likable and he likes people and he likes to help out. And then he's got this other ruthless side, which is, if there's no other way out of this, I'm going to go to the extreme that I have to. Yeah. But um, again, to sort of protect and save his loved ones. Yeah. Um, so in the, in the first instance, it was in, He's actually trying to get, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, the, the robot, what was she called? Uh, well, the, the Jerry Jackson. Jerry Jackson's uh, robot was, oh, I can't remember her name now. Um, but yeah, so he was trying to get her in revenge for Mac's death and then accidentally, yeah. and then accidentally killed one of Flashback's future selves. Um, and then he killed Scramble in this case. So, uh, and I don't think we've talked about Puck being a killer yet. Um, because we yeah, it's one of those things where it was kind of always alluded to and we never actually got a lot of backstory on Puck, but it I was know, hinted but, that he'd done terrible things during his time. Yeah, we know that he has, because it was a covert operative for somebody. It's never really made clear who he was. But also, um, it... Back when uh, they're dealing with Deadly Ernest for the second time, Puck's the one who ultimately deals with him, isn't he? Yeah. He, um, so, and that's where we see, and and that's like where Puck has been called the Wolverine of the team. Um, sometimes uh, that's where it comes through. There, like he's he's willing to go to that extreme if it has to. Um, I think like like you were, like you were saying there when when. Jeffrey's first comes back in. He's very much he wants to do right by Hudson, and he was there to 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 take the right path and stand up for someone that did him good, kind of thing. Um, and then later again, like with he's the father figure to Kara, and then he's a a shoulder to cry on for Heather and support for Heather, which then becomes more. So yeah, he's definitely got that 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 side where he he doesn't let people down, and he will do the he'll take the hard lines so that other people. The people that he loves and cares about doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, and also the other part of it is, although he's a strong character with his own sense of purpose and a strong will, he uh, always cedes to Heather as the leader. Uh, he never yes. tries to take yeah, over. Yeah, that's a nice. Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't want leadership. He doesn't want anything like that. He's happy because he's, I suppose, because he's the military grunt. He's, he's happy yeah. being that thing. Yeah. So. Uh, and that's Jeffries, um, who, and some of the reasons why I love him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've got a lot of time for the, for the, for the character. Um, yes. he's, he's definitely one of my favorites in there. And I kind of like his, his arc after sort of the, the Mantlo run. And I, yeah. I, I like him more out of the armor than in the armor. Yeah, I agree. He, yeah. Even when it, it goes on to when he's, in you know, well, coming sort of years later when he's joined joins the X Men and when he's in the X Club, I've I not read him in X Men. I've read the X Club ones when he goes a bit weird and it's not really yeah. Jeffries anymore. It's a different character with Jeffries head on. Um, because that because he actually like falls in love with a robot in that one. Yeah, he, yeah. that that that's a long way down the road after he's gone a bit <laughs> crazy yeah. kind of thing. But um. It, 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 the character's definitely done a lot, and it's a, for a, you know, a, arguably a D or E list character kind of thing. Mm. Um, but then, I mean, I always find those characters the most interesting. Where exactly? Where you haven't had a lot of time, and a, like for instance, Iron Man, it just isn't interesting to me anymore because so many people have played with him that there's no real central character anymore. And there's only so much you can do to the character, especially yeah. with you know Disney and that. Whereas a character like this, you can get away with doing most things to trying yeah. some new stuff. And also someone like Mannequin, where we only see him for a couple of years. He doesn't. There's no real character progression, so we just learn about um, Whitman as he is, and then we see, might see him again. He'll turn up in a cameo every now and again as an actual Doctor. But um, this this mutant with <laughs> with his crazy power. Um, yeah, 
and it doesn't they don't, haven't get a chance to ruin him. <laughs> um, he's pure because he's only he in gets, for so so little. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like obviously for his the the final Mantlo issue, which I think you've touched on before, he's he's Mantlo's. I don't want to say pet character for Alpha Flight, but he's he's Mantlo's main creation within that, and yeah. he he sums up his his run and. He gets some nice little character moments and some nice visual moments, but like I say he doesn't really affect a grand, a, a, you know, a, a lot in the grand scheme, does he? No, but yeah, he doesn't, uh, and that's why those characters, and also Alpha Flight as a whole, really, because they don't have a massive impact on the rest of the comics world, and it's reasonably self-contained. Um, it's, I don't know, it's easy to hold on to them. I yeah, abs- oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right. You don't want one of those things where you have to follow 10 million storylines to understand yeah, that's what's exactly. going on. I mean, I hadn't realised when I started this project just how much Alpha Flight there was. Because um, they, they turn up bloody everywhere. And like, if I chase Northstar as a character and try uh, to do it, yeah. he is all over the shop. Um, but when it gets to like the 90s and all the... Uh, infinity crossovers and whatever mm. they do turn up a lot but you know yeah 130 issues is is it's kind of a rarity these days so yeah, yeah. um uh, and so which brings me around uh, meant to ask you uh i was going to ask you um about uh we agreed about this on twitter about alpha flight not appearing in films yeah um, because obviously we're in a stage now of comics in films where every single comic at some point will appear in a film. Uh, Alpha Flight haven't yet. They got their little taxi cameo in Deadpool 2. Um, but um, you said, and I agree with you, that they shouldn't get a film. But I just wanted, to, if you wanted to uh, explain or expand on that at all. Well, I think, I think for me, I mean, I know it's an American comic about Canada and there have been very few actual, actual Canadians that have worked on the title. Mm. Um, so my interest has never been that it's, you know, Canadian nostalgia or anything. Yeah. For me, Burns' initial run, I think, is just so unique to comics and I know that there's, in interviews since he's panned it and bashed it and destroyed it and said, given different reasons for what he did, but just the way he, after issue one, dismantled the team Mm. and then they each had separate story arcs and they had individual character moments. And then 12 issues in, he killed off the main character and, and, and the leader and the, the, the highlights of issue 12 for me was like the, the numbered panels mm, and it's the things yeah. that the conventions that the only work in comics, the, the last page revealed the, the, the snow blind issue, which he gets so much, you know, it, it always gets mentioned in circles for his sort of laziness or, or uh, yeah, and it also gets called the, the, the entirely blank comic, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, that's what people Even remember. They not- remember being a whole comic, which didn't have any drawing in. Which is interesting because it was only uh, three and a half pages. Exactly, yeah. So people just, but it, it's it's he that was his, his sort of peak creativity. Yeah. I know he he probably won't like that mentioned, <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, when he was working on Fantastic Four and Alpha Flight at the same time, he was trying to, I suppose, not get bored with doing the two titles, and he was doing different stuff. Yeah. And for me. Not just superhero comics and, you know, independent comics and, and art comics and I like something that pushes the button that does something different that you can only get in comics. Mm. And for me, I think having Alpha Flight just be another superhero team on screen w- just wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure a in TV time. Show, I think a TV show of Alpha Flight would be, would be horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the thing. Everything nowadays, I mean, you see all these, these films and not just superhero films. It's like, you think, how the heck did this get made? And, you know, did the screenwriters not realize it was that terrible as they were doing it? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's, it's easier to see, you know, Salma Sofa mm. kind of thing, but it's, I, I feel that if it became the next Catwoman the movie or whatever, 
then that would just stop the chances of there ever being more alpha flight. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they've got, you've, you've got your indigenous character. You've got your, um, you know, you've got a dwarf. You had a paraplegic. You've mm-hmm. got a, a gay character. And it, it really is the most diverse team in comics. Full stop, I still think, or superhero comics, let's, oh, let's no, put absolutely. it that way. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, so, comics, but definitely, so yeah. they, you know, in theory, it should make the best TV or film, but I don't think it would. Hmm. Um, I think it would be done badly, and then it would just again affect the reputation of the, the 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 characters as it stands. I mean, a lot of people already see Alpha Flight as a joke, hmm. and you know, not not a lot of characters, not a lot of creators after Burn understood them, yeah. I suppose. And I mean, Mantlo at least. If he didn't understand them, he tried to put his own stamp on them. Mm. And for a while, it became a horror, a, you know, body, body horror comic, like we've just discussed. And, yeah. um, uh, who's the next writer? Uh, Hudnall. Hudnall, Hudnall. Um, he tries to go down a, a, a similar line with, at some point with the sort of horror aspect of it. He does. Hudnall gets, uh, I mean, I'd have to uh, verify this claim, but he feels like a writer who wasn't very invested in comics, then read a bunch of Vertigo, and then decided he could write a superhero comic that was better than normal superhero comics. Yeah. That's sort of the impression um, I get off his off his run. And it didn't quite work. Um, and sort of since then, it had, Alphalite have just become just another sort of superhero team with nothing special about them which is kind of why each run's got sort of less and less sales and less and less yeah although the the, the eight issue miniseries uh, the pack van lente one that was a step up i think yeah that was better i think so yeah i mean that was the i think that's the closest to, to burn flight there's been yeah, it was still it was still a comic of its time though. So I liked it because it was obviously a comic that knew Alpha Flight, but it was still it. There wasn't much to differentiate it from any other superhero comic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the yeah, characters it in there, they're real, but there wasn't there wasn't anything unique about it. No. Um, although I, I you know I loved um, Eaglesham's artwork in that, and yeah, I think after Dave Ross, there's only second actual Canadian <laughs> creator. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I think, well, how long have we talked for? Uh, over an hour now. So, um, yeah, I think we'll start wrapping it up. But um, thanks for coming on. I've really enjoyed rereading this. Um, yeah, uh, likewise. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure we'll have you on again. Uh, and maybe... Um, I haven't picked out a Hudnall one yet for anybody. Uh, well, I have actually, but we're just not going around to recording it. But, um, cause he died not too long ago. So I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, come out of the gates too quickly and criticize him. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's always the sort of problem I have with sort of people just completely ragging on Mantlo as well. You know, that the man can't currently defend himself. No, no. So it's always a hard issue to tread around. It is. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I've said it before. But the reason I started this podcast was to talk about Mantlo's run, because when I first read it, I found it really energising. Uh, and the amount of pace and ideas he was chucking at it, I found really refreshing. Yeah, just trying to find something that sticks, really. There was that, yeah. But um, he, there was a quality about his approach to Alpha Flight, which I... Because I, I started... I fell in love with the, the Burn ones. But then when I started reading the Mantlo ones, just out of... Uh, back issue bins and stuff i got really energized by his approach um like the uh the first annual which is like a haunted a gilded lily oh yeah, house yeah. One. uh and just ideas like that and just what he was doing i found really good and then as you read them again and again with a more and more critical eye and a more modern critical eye as well it's worth pointing out you start to notice things in there which yeah. can sour it a little bit um but no uh yeah on record i i still really like Matt now <laughs> even if he has got problems and even though he did stuff to characters that i love which i can't forgive um like what he did to puck 
like how he treated North Star, uh, how summarily he dismissed uh, Snowbird. Um, yeah. Um, but even then, like I still enjoy his writing and him as a creator. Definitely, definitely. He tries, tries stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. I've started to wang on a bit now. Sure. Um, uh, I am going to say thank you again for coming on. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're still listening, then you should go and, uh, browse alphaflight.net because it's a genuinely great resource. Um, you st- uh, and you're still updating with, uh, alphans as they appear in other comics. Yeah, so obviously we've got a fairly good readership, so we try to keep abreast of any modern appearances, which tend to be guest appearances. Mm. You know, any any news, any rumours, the usual you'd expect. Yeah. What's your opinion on Alpha Flight coming back? Because I know there's that tweet from What's-His-Face not too long ago. Yeah, so space. I know that obviously um, uh, CB Cebulski, who's the yeah. now editor-in-chief, I think... If I remember correctly, his first ever Marvel comic was Uncanny X-Men 120, which okay. was the first appearance of Alpha Flight. Um, and there have been several sort of editors recently who have been saying, because, I mean, this year is the 40th anniversary yes. of Alpha and Flight. facsimile edition of number one as well. Of issue one, yeah. Um, so there have been some, some subtle hints as we'll be seeing something before the end of 2019. Mm. Uh, I don't know what form it will take, you know, whether it will be just a one shot or whether it will be a new series. But I think a lot of, in the past, the editors have said that it's hard to get a really good pitch for it that actually works and that makes it stand out. Yeah. So they, they say that, you know, when creators come to Marvel, the creators are fans and they all pitch stuff or they, they want to do stuff, but nothing ever gels kind of thing. Mm. But the fact they're being more vocal, yeah, I definitely think something's going to happen by the end of the year. I just hope it's good. <laughs> yeah. It um, okay, cool. Uh, and yes, I have an art show coming up. It's in July 4th to the 7th. It's in London. Uh, everyone should come if they're in London. Uh, at least to the opening night on the 4th, which I'm hoping to be at, depending on uh, childcare. How <laughs> 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 depressing is that? Um, <laughs> um yeah, and also, um, Petricor, my book is available from the Good Comics website. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been well received by people who have read it. So, and there's a free chapter knocking about, uh, if you go looking for it. Um, thank you again. I'm actually going to stop this episode now. I've got carried away. <laughs> um, thank you very much. And I hope you'll I join you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, thanks for listening and I hope you will join me again on another episode of Alpha Podcast thank you Goodbye.